0: You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere. It is Wednesday, the 17th of January. We're talking White Sox baseball today with none other than Scott Merkin, our White Sox reporter for MLB.com. Scott, as always, we thank you for the time. We'll touch on a few different things uh, in this podcast. We'll talk about uh, Michael Kopech, uh, the number three Right handed pitching prospects, according to our friends at MLBpipeline.com. We'll touch on him. We'll touch on some of the goings on uh, at minicamp right now. A lot of the highly touted dunksters uh, in attendance. But want to start here. Uh, the White Sox may have two players uh, go to arbitration. Uh, those players could be Avi Garcia and uh, Yomar Sanchez. And the White Sox have not gone to arbitration with any player since 2001 and that was with Keith Folk and uh, folk uh, won his arbitration case so Scott give us the breakdown here uh what are the chances that the at least one of these players does go to arbitration how far apart are the two sides uh, what's going on here
1: well they're both pretty close but and and I, as far as i know unless they've changed it and i don't think they have they're not a file and trial type of team you know some teams where if it gets to arbitration they automatically go you know to 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 the situation but the Sox will still continue talking to these guys. I would guess, though, that if they don't take the Sox offer, uh, it's probably going to go to arbitration, which has been interesting, because like I said, and you just mentioned, they've been able to avoid that for what, uh, going on 17 years now. The last time they went, Keith Folk, who I don't know if he was the, I think he was the closer at that point, beat the White Sox. And uh, that was the the most recent uh, trial they had coming one year after they won the division in 2000, won the, the AL Central. But... Yes. Yeah, so I don't, it's, it's hard to say. It's hard, you know, I mean, Sanchez is very close. I, I can't think of the exact terms, but they're like a couple hundred, you know, just a little bit apart. Garcia is a little more Garcia asked for over six. And I think they came in around five, eight. So it, it's hard to guess right now, but I think talks will continue. And if they go, then they'll have to, you know, move from there. It's, it, it's an interesting process. not always the, I don't want to say most pleasant, but you know, a team is fighting for what they offer and the player is fighting for they, what they want. So it's kind of, you know, at cross purposes for most of the time, you know, both sides getting along at that side. They're kind of a little bit of adversaries, it seems like.
0: Yeah, it's an odd dynamic uh, for sure. And that kind of leads into uh, my next uh, topic. My next question is that can there be some lingering, you know, bad or awkward feelings between a player and between team management, uh, you know, going into a season? Because, again, on one hand, you understand it's a business, and the player's trying to do right by him and his family and the people he supports. And, of course, the team is trying to do right by their business structure. And, and you know, again, both sides understand that. But, again, there are emotions and personal feelings that go into this. So, you know, again, in, in cases that you've seen, uh, can there be some lingering bad feelings that may persist throughout the year?
1: I think there certainly can be. I don't think there will be in this instance. You're talking about two of the more upbeat guys on the White Sox you know, Garcia is coming off his, you know, career year and all, not career year, his career best year, I should say. They're hoping it's not a career year, (laughs) you know, an all-star effort and real good natured guy. And Yomar Sanchez is probably, you know, he would be the kind of life of the party guy in the clubhouse. So I don't think there's going to be any kind of lingering effects. I think they know what the situation is. They couldn't work out something beforehand. They had, I think, four other players who they did sign agree to one year deals with. And then Danny Farquhar, who was also arbitration eligible earlier in the off season, so you know, it, it, like you said, it's the nature of the business, and I really don't believe there'll be any you know kind of negative effects that come from these two cases if they do go to arbitration.
0: Yeah, and like you said, these are probably the two most upbeat guys uh, in that clubhouse, so that works in everybody's favor, and a situation to keep an eye on in the coming uh, week or two. Uh, Scott, let's talk about uh, minicamp now, and uh, I, I got to be honest, when when I saw the features on the website about minicamp, I think minicamp. For most sports fans as a term you associate with football. It's not really something you associate with baseball, but these you know, these do exist, they do happen, and of course it's happening with the White Sox right now. So talk about, you know, the typical attendee at a mini camp. Uh, I, I imagine it's skewed towards the, the younger players on the team, the prospects trying to, you know, break through and get a, a big league spot. And talk about how this kind of differentiates from spring training in terms of, you know, an agenda, what you do, what you work on, what you want to accomplish.
1: Yeah. I can point out one thing. We're talking about the arbitration cases. Yomar Sanchez is out there at Camelback ranch working out and he wasn't even part of the mini camp. He's kind of a little more advanced, I think. And he's there on his own, just Mm -hmm. kind of working with the team. So that gives an idea of his demeanor and his, you know, upbeat attitude. But I think you, you hit it on the head when you talked about football, because I know like in Chicago, we'll hear about, the bears draft picks will, you know, attending a rookie mini camp at Hallis Hall out in Lake forest, Illinois, right after, you know, shortly after the draft. And while well, these aren't, you know, all rookie, these are not rookies. These are top prospects. They've gotten together with a few veterans in there. You know, Matt Davidson is out there. Omar Novaez is out there. Kevin Smith is out there. There's some non-roster guys who are more on the, you know, a little more veteran out there, but you know, it's, it's, they've done it for a few years now and it kind of gives them a checkpoint, to see where you know the hitters are and kind of get their eyes and hands on them and see you know what they need to work on going towards spring training. I remember spring training is a little earlier this year too because the season starts a little earlier also. So you know it, the, the minicamps camp's a little closer I think to where the season is than it was in years past. But also you know this is the this was the United States debut of Luis Robert who played you know was the Cuban uh, international free agent they signed for you know twenty six million dollar bonus in the you know international market there he played for the dominican summer league team last year he was in dominican instructional league in november so this is the first time he's played baseball over the united states he was in chicago for his press conference to announce his signings, his signing i should say and he's there aloy jimenez is there yoan Moncada is there so you know it's it, jake berger is there gavin sheets the top two picks in last year's draft for the sox so it's kind of you know get a look at the elite guys and it's, it's you know all offense and see where they're going and see what they have to do in the next few weeks going into spring training when things go full boat. So, you know, I I think it's going a week long, which is a little longer than it has in the past. But, you know, some interesting things, you know, Jesse Sanchez has had a chance to talk to Robert and Moncada and Jimenez out there. I I had a talk with Adam Engel, and he's out there also. And just kind of some interesting scenarios building up and how, how tight this group is growing already in just a short time they've been together.
0: Yeah, and it's interesting that, uh, you know, like like you said, to have these young guys together in one place at the same time, you can create uh, that bond because I think these guys know the situation that, you know, they expect to be the core, the nucleus of this team for, for years to come, and they're going to be the guys that get the White Sox back in contention, hopefully – on an annual basis, and to have this time to kind of get to know each other and and, and bond and grow together and learn together and even make mistakes together uh, can only be a good thing going forward. Scott, I want to get your take on uh, Michael Kopech. Uh, he was recently named the number three right-handed pitching prospect in the farm system, uh, and I'm um, in all farm systems, not just the White Sox, according to uh, MLBpipeline.com. Now, the speculation on Kopech is that he's probably not going to open camp uh, with the team, he's not going to be on the opening day roster, but I think at some point he is going to crack that rotation. So, what kind of a timetable are we looking at for pack We've heard all the the tall tales about him. Uh, you know, he can consistently throwing at triple digits. Uh, his strikeout numbers off the charts. So, White Sox fans, excited. When can we see him
1: at uh, U.S. Cellular? Yeah, I said this before. I think when you trade a guy like Chris Sale, who's one of the you know best, maybe you know in the team picture of the best four or five starting pitchers in baseball. And also a good clubhouse guy with a team too. You better get something great in return. And they have, you know, at the front is uh, Juan Moncada, starting second baseman. And now Kopech, who could be a top of the rotation guy for years to come. I, I think when you're looking at his, this, his season this year, I talked recently to pitching coach Don Cooper, and he said they're going to use him as a starter in spring training. And they're going to give a lot of these young guys chances to be seen. But you know, let's be realistic. I, I think he's probably going to, He's only made, I think, three starts at Charlotte last year, so he's probably going to get a little time at Charlotte before coming to the Sox. I would think study the path that kind of Ronaldo Lopez traveled last year where he, I think, made 22 starts for Charlotte before coming up and making seven or eight for the White Sox. Kopech may make a few more. Lopez battled an injury when he was up at the White Sox and missed like three weeks, I want to say. So I, I think similar to that, you'll see Kopech in the major leagues. Remember this year, you know, again, they're not trying to lose. These players want to win. These players want to play well. These players want to, you know, speed up the process of rebuild, but this is more of a developmental year. So they're still not looking to be prime contenders as they will be starting next year and every year moving forward after that. So there's no rush. That's one, one of the, I, I said this a number of times on the podcast and wrote this a number of times in the stories. One of the great things they've done is they're not bringing up guys just to bring up guys and say, Hey, here's Moncada. Here's Kopech when they're up they're confident these guys are going to stay for a while. And I think that's what they're looking for for Kopech. And that's why you'll see him pitch a little bit for Charlotte before, you know, maybe more than a little bit pitch, you know, start the season and make some starts part of the night's rotation before he gets to the White Sox.
0: Yeah. You, you could say that, you know, uh, 2018 by and large, uh, a lot of these guys in the organization as a whole playing with house money, you know, you, you want to win obviously, but if you don't know one's sure. going to begrudge you for it because of the state that the franchise is in, you get these young guys up there, get them some experience, get their feet wet, and then, like you said, in 2019 and beyond, that's when you can seriously start contemplating being a contender and seeing these
1: guys come into their own. I was going to say real quickly, you don't yep. know how quickly they'll progress. You know, Maybe Moncada makes a huge step this year. Maybe sure. Luis Robert, who has been just lighting it up and impressing everyone at the mini camp, gets to the majors earlier, Jimenez does too, and maybe you know they really do make some kind of run mm-hmm at let's say the second wild card or a wild card without changing the plan at hand. So you never know, like you said, it's house money and you you, you go with what you you stick with the plan and see what happens.
0: Yeah. I mean, they could be this year's brewers, you know, I I mean, nobody expected the brewers in 2017 to do as well as they did. They're in a rebuilding process of their own. They were, uh, you know, contending for that second wild card up till the the next to last day of the season. Maybe that's the white Sox in 2018. If it happens, great. If it doesn't, then okay. You stick with the plan and see what you got for 2019 and beyond. Um, uh, Scott, to wrap up here, Miguel Gonzalez back at a one-year deal, and uh, you know a guy that's he—he's a veteran, he's trusted, he's consistent. The numbers don't jump off the page, but I think I, would you agree his main value is going to be as a you know something as a mentor to some of the younger guys that are going to be joining this rotation before
1: long. Yeah, I think you know both. You hear stories from younger pitchers about you know the the mentor um, attitude shown by both James Shields, who is you know there already, and Miguel Gonzalez. But I think also Miguel Gonzalez, when he's on, and he was on, you know, a, a good portion of last year. There was a stretch of eight or nine starts where he was kind of pitching through some, a little bit of soreness, where he was not very good. But otherwise, he was he's been fine for the White Sox, and he's a good, you know, veteran pitcher to put in there. You can, you know, you can get six, seven innings from the guy, you know, and, and not jeopardize the bullpen while helping the younger kids. It was, you know, the, kind of the price is right for both sides. And you know, when they traded him last year. I don't think the Sox necessarily wanted to lose him, and I don't think Gonzalez wanted to leave the White Sox. So it made total sense that this is a guy they targeted and brought back you know, to, to fill out the rotation, especially with Carlos Rodon uncertain when he will be officially back as part of the White Sox.
0: Yeah, a, a good uh, safety net to have in the form of uh, Miguel Gonzalez for sure. Uh, Scott, great stuff as always. We will uh, get more minicamp updates uh, next week and see what else is going on in the land of the pale hose. Uh, so, Scott Merkin, thanks for your time. We'll do it again soon. And in the meantime, Matt Wehmeyer signing off for MLB.com Extras Chicago White Sox.